Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Another edition of the Night Court Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me is Richie Schneiderite, Chris Nolaski, Craig Epstein. Guys, we had a, another big win last night against Maryland at home. Rutgers won 64-50. to 50. Uh, I was surprised that they were as small of a, uh, a favorite in this one. They were a five-and-a-half point favorite, according to Vegas. But they, you know, never look, it never looked in doubt all last night. Um, so, Chris, I'm going to kick it off to you. What really impressed you from last night's win uh, against Maryland? Yeah, I th- I thought they played very well connected. Um, I thought they played mature. I mean, I mean they beat Purdue um on Monday night. They had obviously a late late flight back. They got back Tuesday morning. Um, they had a bunch. Everyone was talking about them, you know, in terms of the college basketball world on, mon- on Monday night. I know there's other stuff going on, but um, in terms of the college basketball world, they were the talk of the town. Um, they had other interviews on Tuesday, and they basically had one day to get ready for. for you know, for Maryland, essentially, um, you know, Kevin Willard was coming back to town, but um, and I, actually, Maryland, Maryland actually had the number at the rack the past couple of times that you know that they played there, so um, that was something to watch too. But uh, you know, Rutgers played extremely well defensively again. You know, they held you know Maryland to fifty points. I think they averaged you know over seventy or so. Um, so that's that was obviously impressive again. Um, Maryland actually had more twenty turn. More turnovers than uh, made shots, so that was that was you know that's obviously a wild stat. I think they had 20 turnovers and 19 field goals. Um, you know there was uh, you know they went on some runs offensively. Obviously, it wasn't the best offensive performance, uh, but Cliff did a very good job on the boards. Uh, Paul McKayhee, you know, was phenomenal again. He really took charge. Um, you know, and they kind of went on a run after he got hit with the or he was hit with the flagrant foul by the Maryland uh, Reese. And uh, Rutgers kind of kind of turned the tables from there, and uh, they just you know they got the job done, and they're three and one, the Big Ten now, almost almost four and zero, but they're a half game out of you know first place behind Michigan and Wisconsin, who are three and zero, you know who who you know they've played one less game so far, but um, now they have Iowa on Sunday, and uh, obviously they're going to look to keep keep the train going there. Yeah, I mean, I would just say <clears throat> coming off that big Purdue win. Facing the team like Maryland, I guess there's kind of that worry of a letdown. You know, Rutgers, like I said, Rutgers coming off that big win. Maryland's coming off like a 35-point just blowout loss to Michigan. So you could be worried that maybe this is a little bit of a track game for Rutgers if they start reading their own clippings, you know, that whole thing. But no, Rutgers came into this one. I mean, they had they were down, what, 4 nothing early? But then mm-hmm. right then and there, they just went on a 15-0 run. And just kind of really just took the game over. And I don't think they, I don't think they trailed the rest of the way. 
So just credit to Rutgers. You know, like I said, this could have been a trap game, but Peichel and them did not allow that to be a trap game. I mean, it wasn't a great performance offensively, but this is defensively, it was as good as we've seen all year long. This is just, this is their calling card now is that they are, if they're not the best defensive team in the country, they're one of them. And just like you said, again, they held uh, Maryland to their season low so far. And they basically, this is, feels like, which is, this is kind of just what they do. Like anytime a team faces them, it feels like they're basically uh, giving, they're basically given that like their season low of points. So they held, they held Maryland to, I think it was, yeah, 50 points. Mm-hmm. Rutgers scores 64. I mean, like I said, um, they, I think I said in the BTN show last night, like, Anytime Rutgers gets into that mid-60s kind of area, they're probably going to win just because their defense is just so elite. So, I mean, credit to them. Uh, they played some just absolutely amazing, really full-court defense, which mm-hmm. I kind of watching them now more and more. This is kind of – that's kind of what propels the whole ship because teams spend so long just trying to get the ball up the court that by the time they get to their half-court offense, there's like maybe – eight to 10 seconds left and you can't run an off. You basically can't run an offense like that. So you see whether it's a shot clock violation or they're just kind of chucking up a, uh, a crappy three and it misses Rutgers is just, just there. And Cliff played a great game defensively uh, rebounding, which we all kind of knew going into this one. He was probably, this was a game Cliff should have feasted on the boards and he did. I remember there was one play towards the end where it was just like him against maybe three Maryland guys. He just goes up there, snatches it down, passes it out to Cam with the kind of a back baking back breaking three. And that's just kind of, the, that was kind of the name of the game yesterday. So credit for Rutgers. And now uh, they go to the place IO, which is just like this game, I think is a very good barometer just because uh, Maryland is also a team that they're probably going to be favored. Then they probably should beat. So as long as Rutgers can just keep stacking up these wins now, it's only going to help them in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll feed off that as well. Um, you know, some more stats from last night. Rutgers has been a very good free throw free throw shooting team this season, a, a lot better than what they've been in the past. I know um, almost every press conference, Pike will, you know, will get asked about free throws. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't gotten that this year. Rutgers, I think, was 12 or 14 from the foul line last night, so that obviously helps um, if they're not if they're not scoring the ball in terms of, you know, on the you know, field goals and everything. Um, but, you know, I thought uh, Derek Simpson, you know, did well, and he, he had a long run. He had um, the second highest plus minus on the team at plus 18. Um, you know, they really trusted him to kind of match up with Maryland's athletic guards. Um, he did he did a great job. You know, he had a really really nice dunk. Uh, I think it was the first half, or the I think I think that's you know when that happened. Um, it was I think it, everyone just kind of everyone just kind of knows the roles, and everyone just kind of understands what they have to do. You know. Andre High comes in. He plays great defense. Um, he hasn't been the best shooter, but he still makes a couple threes and plays great defense. So Dean Reber came in and uh, you know did what he had to do in his in, in his limited minutes. I mean, um, you know Wolf Hulk and, and Dean, you know they, uh, they didn't play a lot because Cliff, you know, he wasn't in foul trouble, so um, he was able to stay stay on the court more. Um, just you know, everyone just everyone just has played a mature game. Everyone's just connected, and uh, and, and like you said, Craig. The, the defense has, has just been great. I mean, nobody wants to play Rutgers at the rack. Nobody wants to play Rutgers because of defense. And, you know, I, actually, Kevin Kevin Willard mentioned, uh, mentioned in his press conference yesterday that he doesn't remember um, this Rutgers team, you know, doing the full-court press as much as they have, as they have this year. And uh, that really messes teams up. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if Rutgers can keep this up defensively, 
um, they're, they're obviously going to be tough, tough to beat. And, you know, yeah. And yeah, I didn't even I didn't even mention before. I mean, Paul Mulcahy right now is playing like one of the best guards in the Big Ten, if not the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable. He might not fill up the stat sheet, but I mean, he just does everything so well. And if he can continue to play like this, I mean, it's just like this team can just you know keep just keep going and going, and who knows how how good things can get for them. Yeah, the, it was definitely a defensive show last night. Uh, there was a couple of notes I had, especially from you guys mentioning it. So Rutgers held another opponent well below its season average. I think Maryland was averaging 72 points coming into this game. They scored 50. Um, There was three separate stretches of four-plus minutes where Maryland didn't score a basket. So early in the first half, I think from like the 18-minute mark in the first half to like the 10-minute mark, it was an eight-minute stretch where they didn't score at all. That was the longest stretch. Then there was two separate other stretches where there was four-plus minutes where they didn't score. I do agree this press that they're running is just – it's completely breaking teams. Like, it started a few games ago, and then with the Purdue game, they were just running press from, like, the start. And I think that's what kind of what we're going to see out of Pike from now on. And I think it's because he has such an experienced team that he trusts these guys to know how the, the different shifts need to happen, how not to foul 90 feet away from the basket. Like, these guys are really, really, as tenacious as they are around the hoop, they're very well disciplined, too. They don't commit dumb fouls. They will be aggressive and commit a foul when a guy's going for a shot, they don't really foul away from the basket too often. Um, but yeah, this, the teams can't break this press it is, it is just suffocating. Yeah. I would think, I would think just mentally as an opposing team facing that for 40 minutes, that's gotta be aggravating. It's gotta be like just physically and mentally exhausting to face an, a full court press that well playing that well, like for 40 minutes, that's just gotta be, that's, that's gotta be tough. And I feel like another special aspect of their defense is the fact that it feels like they can switch up their defense like that. Like, they can go from man to zone back to – like, they can change it, it feels like, every drive. And it's like to 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 have to face a defense where it's like you don't know what's coming. Like, it's just Rutgers from that standpoint just has a leg up from, like, the get-go. And it's, it's just crazy to see. I guess the one nitpicky thing about this game, like you said, is that uh, – Maryland went like eight minutes without a basket. And then there was a couple stretches of four minutes. Mm-hmm. And when, th- when things like that happen, I know Rutgers might not have the greatest offensive offense in the world, but when teams go on droughts like that, like you got to bury them. Like when you face, mm-hmm. when you face uh better competition, like when you face better competition, and if a team does something like that, you have to bury them. Cause as you said, eight minutes without scoring, but Rutgers was only up by 11. So they only end up going into halftime by seven. So things like that is just something you got to clean up. As we kind of seen in the past, where if a team goes on a scoring drought, like if you're if you want to be the best team of the best, you just got to you just got to kind of I guess you can't put them away, but you got to do your best to make it maybe not an eleven point, maybe closer to like a twenty point lead. That way, it's just like the game is done, especially with especially like we said with the defense. Yeah, from the eighteen minute mark in the first half to the one minute mark in the first half, Maryland scored ten points total. And mm-hmm. Rutgers only scored 24 in the first half, so it was it was an offensive struggle for both teams in the first half. Uh, very ugly, uh, but you know you can't really complain about 14 point conference wins. That at home. that uh, gypsy curse right there on the rim <laughs> on the rims. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what else did you guys? Any, any other points you guys wanted to hit on this game that we didn't cover already? Richie, what did you think? I think you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head on just about everything. Um, I like to reference like the full court press to like that, that little gnat in your room that just won't go away and you can't get them. And it's just like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, by, yeah, it's by just... midnight, you got to, oh, 
you know, a, a magazine, you're standing on top of two chairs <laughs> and you're just, just wailing into the corner and your neighbor <laughs> well, looks in your window. Work. You know, it's the worst when you, when it's late at night, you got a fly in your room and you're trying to go sleep, but you hear the buzzing mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, it's a fly, so it's not going to do anything, but it's like, you're not going to be able to go to sleep because you just hear that constant buzzing. That's kind of, <laughs> yeah. that, it's kind of Rutgers' defense. Yeah. This, this team kind of reminds me of like the old, I shouldn't even say old school, like, geez, um, a couple years ago, like the Virginia teams, like it's just nonstop yeah. defense. It's going to be pressure, pressure, pressure. It's it's going to piss you off because it's going to force you to make stupid passes and turn the ball over. I think Maryland turned it over twenty times yesterday, twenty one yep. times, whatever it was. Um, yeah, no, I mean this is this is just typical Steve Peichel Rutgers basketball, um, and it's fun. It's fun to watch too because if you like basketball in general, it's fun to watch. If you if you like offensive games like the Big East, then it's probably not that fun to watch, but. Um, yeah, no, I mean, they, they definitely got to fix the scoring a little bit. I know, um, obviously three point land is still not their strength whatsoever, but they're starting to take less and less. It seems like, um, Cliff had a okay game. I shouldn't even say, okay. He had a good rebounding game, good defensive game, but like the offense, the offense, 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 just stunk for the most part. Minus Mulcahy, who obviously not six of six, but, um, yeah, it's crazy to see what Paul can do when he's healthy. And um, I think it's he's probably near 100% at this point. I'm sure that, that uh, Stinger probably bothers him a little bit here and there, but not as much as it did in uh, games, what, one through four or four or five, whatever it was. I forget when he got hurt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, great win. Uh, great uh, great momentum you're getting now. So just take that into Iowa. you got to beat Iowa. And then you have, you have a tough stretch. It's, not, it's yeah. not easy by any means. So just keep it going. Ride that high. Yeah, yeah at, at this point, Rutgers has won you know five games in a row ever since they lost by a couple points to Seton Hall. Um, I think they kind of obviously you talked on it a bunch in the past, but that Ohio State game definitely affected them for that one. Uh, but ever since then, they kind of turned the page and 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 they've been clicking. But you know, I'd say on both ends of the court, obviously, you know, we know that they don't score a bunch, but the defense is going to keep them in the games, and that's that's really you know, been a huge factor in why they've won. Um, they still have the third best. A defense on Kempom. Um, I think they're like 14th or no, no, they're 13th on Kempom now. Um, in the net, they're still 14th. Mm-hmm. So, um, if they if they beat Iowa on Sunday, Iowa always plays them tough. Um, you know, I, who who knows what's going to happen in that one? But obviously, playing at the rack should help. You know, Rutgers in that regards. Um, but you know, Iowa has beaten them at the rack in the past. So, um, we'll see we'll see what happens there. But there's. A good chance some voters should probably kind of take notice a little bit. And, uh, you know, if Rutgers takes care of business on Sunday against Iowa, there's a chance that, you know, Rutgers could be ranked, uh, you know, come next week. Yeah, I agree. And also, I mean, now Iowa's riding a bit of momentum with that big win against Indiana. I mean, the Big Ten is just so weird. Like, what was Iowa down? 21 points? And they came back and won? I mean, just crazy. And then I saw, uh, what was else? What else happened? There was another game yesterday that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Purdue, uh, Purdue, Ohio Purdue, State. Yeah, Purdue. Yeah, Purdue came. I think Purdue came back because I saw like, but it was they were losing like early on. Yeah, actually, the same the same dude, Fletcher Lawyer, who hit the three pointer against Rutgers, um, that would that put Purdue up. That you know that won Purdue the game last night against Ohio State. Obviously, Ohio State didn't have like a Cam Cam Spencer knocking down a shot, but um, he you know credit to Fletcher Lawyer there making. You know, two big threes late in the game, two names in a row. But <laughs> yeah, KD was hyping up uh, Big Ten basketball last night. I don't know if you saw anybody saw that. He was yeah. like, uh, did, he say, did he say anything about Rutgers? No, I quoted yeah. him from the Rutgers rivals account too. I was like, Yo, who do you have winning the Big Ten? If you're going to talk about like Big Ten basketball, and he just didn't answer. 
<laughs> I'll, figure, I'll um, get his opinion elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so regarding Rutgers being ranked, I don't think it's a question of if they're going to be ranked if they beat Iowa on Sunday. It's how high are they ranked. I don't think there's any way you can not rank this team anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So if they beat Iowa, yeah. I think they could come in as high as, like, the late teens, like 19. Um, a lot of teams have lost this last week, too. I wish that, mm-hmm. wish that they didn't do weekly rankings, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Let's talk a little uh, – we'll preview the Iowa game more later in this week, but let's talk a little <laughs> bit about basketball recruiting. Um, Richie, what's going on with Rutgers basketball recruiting right now? Um, everyone's freaking out over Dylan Harper, rumors, smoke, whatever you want to call it. Uh, big big game tonight. He's taking on DJ Wagner, who's number one in the state for 2022. I think – yeah, 2022. I can't even think of it. Or 2023. 2023. Jeez, I can't – I don't even know what year it is anymore. Um, DJ Wagner, Kentucky commit, Aaron Bradshaw, Kentucky commit, uh, both Camden guys are going to take on Don Bosco prep and Dylan Harper tonight. Riot squads bringing the crew. I know they just tweeted it out again. I think there's like seven or eight replies now at this point of guys saying like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to It's going to be a big Rutgers contingent. It seems like, uh, there to support Dylan Harper. Uh, obviously last week he played in the John Wall Invitational down in North Carolina, a lot of hype around that. Uh, John Wall actually even said he was going to NC, which John Wall clearly doesn't follow recruiting whatsoever. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a weird one, but, uh, he did, he did say he's like something like that Harper kid, man, like he's good. He's really good. So gave him a stamp of approval. Uh, it's, it's going to be down to Duke and Rutgers. That's, we've been saying this forever. Um, Indiana's there, but they're like a distant third. And uh, it's it's going to be a matter of do you want to go to the typical blue blood program that has produced over the past years, or do you want to be the guy at Rutgers and maybe be the turning point to get Rutgers to that next level? Um, he might be a one and done. He might be a two and done. It's that's a tough call, but I think either way, it's at minimum at, at max. I should say he's he's two years and he's going in pro. Like he's that good. I know. Uh, it's it's tough because you don't know if he wants to follow in his brother's footsteps or create his own legacy, his own path. Not that like going to Duke really creates your own legacy, but that's <laughs> that's just my opinion personally. Um, it's that that's an interesting one. I don't know what's going to happen there. It's gonna, he's not anywhere near deciding just yet. So you have some time. Ideally, you get him back to the rack one more time within uh before the season's over, whether that be for another random midweek visit or uh. A weekend visit, maybe he'll be there Sunday. Who knows? Like, yeah, because isn't the game the games at Kane University, right? Yeah, one's like, yeah. uh, I, I, know, I'm sure. yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, there you go. Um, Repping some Kane, it's supposed to be at uh, I think Rosa mm-hmm. Catholic Roselle. or some other, I think it was Rosa Catholic, and then yeah. obviously the fans and everything, it was it was too much, and it was a, a bigger venue. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's like a big event too. Like this is it's Allen Iverson Classic. It's partnered with Showtime. Like they're they're gonna live stream it on Baller TV, which is like one of the bigger um, streaming services for high school basketball and AAU events. It's like three events technically in one night. Like there's one at Peak Sports Academy in Mountainside. There's one at Roselle. There's like twelve games on tonight from just in New Jersey. Like there's and they're big games. There's not just small games. Like. Mm. A Texas school came up, a Maryland school came up, a Minnesota school came over, Minnesota Prep, who uh, Antonio mm-hmm. Scholes, uh, alma mater, or whatever. Um, who else? Ohio's Ohio schools coming over. Like, there's there's a ton of like New York, Maryland, Ohio, Texas. This is this is like a fun day in New Jersey. If you like high school basketball in New Jersey and good high school basketball, 
you can go to any of these events and you'll have a blast like just watching this but uh i do recommend getting there early tickets are strictly at the door uh there's a game at 5 30 between newark east side and newark west side um you might not know anyone on those teams because i don't even know who's on those teams to be honest but uh Newark East Side has produced a couple in the past. Uh, I think they've produced a couple uh, Seton Hall guys as well. So, I mean, just go watch that. It's probably going to be a good game regardless. And then uh, just get there early. That's all I can really say. It's, it, there's, last time I went to Kane, there was a line, like, wrapped around the door. But mind, mind you, that was, like, Montverde and, like, a bunch of other big names with, like, uh, it was actually Kaminga versus uh, Cliff Amory. It was the last time I went to Kane. Okay. So, that was a pretty cool setup. But uh, this is going to be a packed house. It's going to be, like, shoulder to shoulder. You're probably gonna be miserable in the stands if if you don't like basketball. So don't don't go if you don't like it. <laughs> um, that's it. That's all I got. It, interesting stat I just saw too. Basketball wise, Rutgers is favored to win every remaining game other than the Indiana game um, on uh, Ken Palm right now, <clears throat> which is pretty wild. Why does everyone overhype Indiana? I don't get. It. <laughs> well, it's an away game. They're oh, okay. Still like. They're not that good. Yeah, they're not. But uh, do they only play also... Michigan State once this year? Rutgers? Oh uh... no, they play them at MSG. That's right. Yeah, they play them at MSG. So play... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they play them at, and then they play them guessing, guessing at East Lansing too. Yep. Okay, yeah. so I figured. Um, we had another visitor last night, though. Uh, the the uh, right. the JUCO big man, Manuel. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Agbol. Yep. Maybe. Um, yeah, so he came to campus last night. I was talking to him a little bit. He he enjoyed his visit a lot. Um, I'm gonna have an article up soon with quotes. Yeah, he he's new to the game. He's played soccer his entire life. He's only been playing hoops for I think it was three years or two years. I got to double check on that one. But um, he was actually a goalie for a soccer team, so he's pretty athletic. Um, long wingspan. I know he was technically last time we talked or talked about a uh, big man recruiting for Rutgers. He was technically like option B. There was like one A and one B and that was Nadangu and uh, it was a juice on Bodo who they're, they're still pursuing as well. Uh, Rutgers is actually pretty high on Bodo's board, but it sounds like Arizona state might have the lead there in terms of Nadangu. It sounds like he might end up uh, staying out in the West coast, whether that be Colorado, whether it be Nebraska, I know it's not a coast technically for Nebraska, but on uh, San Diego's pushing uh that one's gonna be a tough land i think so i think they're gonna have to go towards emmanuel and try to look towards like a juco big man which is fine he he's he's a solid player he's probably a developmental piece he could fill that gap as a backup big for wolf folk for the next like two years um just someone that can kind of split minutes with him too so he uh he really enjoyed his visit Rutgers likes him i don't think they take him right away i think they want to see what the other two do first but it sounds like nadango is going to decide within probably within a week maybe less and then uh, Bodo has to take a couple visits still, so we'll see. But uh, is there yeah, anything I mean, new on the Ace Bailey front? No, I was quiet. It's it's tough during the season for these guys because like most of them aren't going to take that many visits. Um, he does want to visit Oregon, Texas, UCLA. He keeps telling people. Well, Mind Texas you, still maybe. Yeah, well that that one's probably out. <laughs> I would assume. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, I mentioned it in our our little group chat, Jay Lucas is the lead recruiter for Dylan Harper, along with John Shire, obviously for Dylan Harper at Duke. Jay Lucas is rumored as one of the front runners for the Texas job. Is Jay Lucas, John Lucas's son. That's a good question. I look it up. do not know. I would have, I'm just guessing at this point, but he did McDonald's all Americans. I mean, 
that does nothing to do with anything, but yeah, it is. It is his. Uh, it is his son. Yep. So I mean, it's not the craziest thing in the world. He's a former Texas player. Um, I know after talking to like some sources over at Duke, they they knew that Lucas wasn't going to be there long. They they think he's that good of an assistant. So if you can get him to just like you know just leave and go to Texas, mm-hmm. it's it's going to help Rutgers. But I know Shire has really kind of uh, taken Dylan as a. It's it's more of like one of those situations where the, if the head coach is getting involved as much as he is, it's like oh shit, like that means it's they're super serious about this guy. So he's getting like almost taking the lead recruiter role away from Lucas and being that lead recruiter as head coach. So we'll see what happens, but nothing on Harper. Other than that, uh, nothing really much on Harper. Nothing new on Ace Bailey, who's been relatively quiet. And uh, it's just kind of a wait and see. These guys are twenty twenty fours. They're not deciding like they don't have to decide anytime soon, to be honest. So. Just wait and see. Interesting. Okay, let's transition to football a bit. Um, we got a new transfer offer overnight um, from a safety from Liberty. I thought we were done recruiting DBs in the portal, but apparently not. Tell us a little bit about this kid. I don't know a ton about him, I'll be honest. He played Juco ball. I don't know if it was just more of a size or, if it, or lack of there of size because he is 6'2", 190 coming out of juco um i have to find his high school profile it seems like he didn't uh he's got well he's got six interceptions during two seasons at liberty like i like i said i don't i don't know a ton about this kid because it just happened like literally uh i just find it interesting that they're going to get another safety especially one that has like one year left i think it is or two years yeah one year left yeah he's got one year of eligibility left so now it's just it's a little weird to me because you were pretty confident in your DB room. It seemed like Eric Rogers was going to be a cornerback, kind of filling in that Braswell role a little bit, or uh, I guess opposite side of Melton. And then you got uh, Igbenosin and uh, who's the other corner thing or safety they got? I can't even think of his name. Loyal? No, they got a transfer safety. Who the hell? Oh, Rogers. Oh, Flip Dixon. Dixon. Uh, oh, Dixon. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> ironically, like I wonder if they bumped Dixon down to like that Izzyan role, the role he didn't want to play at Minnesota. And uh, you put this kid back there at safety. Um, it's just another tall, lengthy safety, it seems like. Uh, Liberty's been pretty solid over the past couple of years. I mean, hence why their head coach is now Auburn's head coach. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just – it was a weird offer to me. I just thought you have you have a lot more pressing needs, especially on the opposite side of the ball. Um, so it seems like, I guess, along with wide receiver, tight end, tackle they also want another safety as well so this is interesting the kid doesn't seem bad though he seems pretty athletic at safety and uh seems like a solid player yeah you got to wonder if there's some kind of uh roster move that hasn't been announced yet to to offer another <clears throat> defensive back because i mean i love the idea of you know strengthening a strength making a, a good unit even better with more depth mm-hmm. But adding a third defensive back when you haven't added a single offensive player in the portal, that to me says, is there somebody going to the NFL that we're not aware of? Maybe a, a Max Melton? He'd be the only one, right? That's not it. Yeah. Um, very strange, in my opinion. Yeah. But, again, I, I question the staff on some <laughs> things. I won't question them on defensive backs because they all know what they're doing there for sure. I won't question them on that side of the ball. Yeah. Other well, side the thing is, obviously, <laughs> now we – so now we know – it's likely that it seems more than likely Kirk is going to be the offensive coordinator. And yeah. I feel, I, I feel like typically when moves like that happen, don't you usually see guys kind of follow their guy wherever it may 
wherever they go. So, I mean, maybe it'll happen today or the next year. Don't guys usually follow? Wouldn't you think maybe some Minnesota guys may or follow Kirk to Rutgers? Is there any shot of that? Nope. Well, I, I mean, it's not really. Yeah. The guy, like, like White, that we kind of talked about last night, he already announced he's going to Charlotte. They don't really have any true studs in the portal right now. That doesn't mean <clears> that there won't be kids who leave Minnesota because Sorak is no longer there. I think that's something to keep an eye on. But I wouldn't say there's anybody that is a clear, like, oh, sweet, now we could probably land X player because we have Soraka. I don't, I don't think that exists, unfortunately. Well, number one, he's not like an ace recruiter type. And you don't mm-hmm. really have to be as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of quarterbacks, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Like, not just quarterback, I should say at this point, but multiple players on their team tweet it like immediately after Soraka got announced as Rutgers OC. And they're like, the culture here, we love it. Like, we're not leaving. We're not going anywhere. Like, so Drew Vioto, their, their quarterback commit in this class, who just signed in December, basically said, like, I'm, I'm here for the long run. I love Minnesota, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Ethan, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, Kalarmanakis or something like that. <laughs> um, I'll get that one day, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> Uh, no, so he tweeted out, he's like, I love the culture. I love the program, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going anywhere. And that's, that one's the most intriguing one because him and, uh, Kirk were like this, apparently, like they were very close. Um, it's a big, he's a big reason why he went to Minnesota in the first place. And then end of the day, like if you're a wide receiver, which is what Rutgers needs, you're probably not going anywhere because your wide receiver coach, Matt Simon's probably about to become the OC. Uh, at least is probably the the betting front runner, if I had to guess, to be the OC at Minnesota, and then PJ Flex, wide receivers coach himself. So, like, I, I hate to say it, I don't think anyone's following Kirk. Like, they're going to have to go somewhere else and go get other portal guys somewhere. That, I don't know, go to Liberty or something. They had a pretty decent offense. And it's weird if isn't isn't this like Kirk's fifth stop in the last like five years? I was looking it up. It was like 2019. <laughs> he was what uh, Minnesota. 2020, he was at Penn State for that year. 2021, he was at West Virginia. Then he came back to Minnesota for 2022, and now he's going to Rutgers for 2023. So that's five stops in five years. That's just kind of like so very, very, very curious. Western Michigan and Minnesota—that's like six straight years with Flex. So I get that. That's that that one you can't judge really too much. But he ditched Flex for Penn State, got fired by Penn State, went to West Mm -hmm. Virginia, and came back to Minnesota, and then ditched Flex again. So if anything, if anyone should be mad in this situation, I'd be. Probably be Fleck mm. and be like, yo, what the fuck? Like, you just you ditched me for Penn State. All right, come on. I'll bring you back one more time. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? You just ditched me for Rutgers? Like, <laughs> so, it's very I mean, weird. Yeah. yeah, he does bounce around quite a bit. Um, he also has had his struggles. Like, it's not, it's not a secret. Like, like, like we said yesterday, this is just a meh hire. Like, it's nothing special. And then you're paying a lot of fucking money for this guy. I know the numbers aren't out there yet, but substantial amount when the guy was making 975 this year, 975 the next year, and then one mil the next year after that. And that's Minnesota money. So mm-hmm. transfer that to New Jersey money. That's probably like we said yesterday. What was it? 1.4 we thought? Uh, 1.3? I think it's going to be between 1.1 and 1.2 with Rutgers paying the buyout. Yeah. I guess. It's, it's crazy. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's, a, that's just a lot, a lot of money for – the meh higher, like, yeah, like I mean, like you said, I, I at this point in the game, I don't think they were ever really going to get an inspiring hire. I think at this point, it was just like for I guess for I'm assuming that like you like you said, Mike. I mean, they probably were told no 
by at least their first person who knows him, who knows them anymore. And it's like, I think for what they were probably dealing with, it's not the worst hire in the world. It's not great, but not terrible. I guess it's just, you know, it's just, it's more of a wait and see approach, I guess. But mm-hmm. going into this, it kind of felt like they wanted to hire more of like a West coast, you know, RPO style offense. And from really everything that, that I've that. Everything that I feel like I've seen from, I mean, that I kind of know about Kirk is that he seems like he runs more probably of the same kind of Rutgers with that pro style. It's going to be very, I th- I'm thinking it's going to, it's just a very run heavy offense. Like you said, Richie, in like our mm-hmm. chat, he ran the ball like over 300 times. Like, it's just like, that's what I'm thinking. He's probably, it's all, to me, it's all going to be about beefing up the offensive line. If Rutgers can beef up that offensive line, then that allows you to m- run more run heavy, whether it's Sam Brown, whoever it may be, you can run the ball. And mm-hmm. it gives whoever your quarterback be more time in the pocket, or not in the pocket, more time back there. And if he wants to run, he can run. It's just like, to me now, it's just, to me now, it's all about just beefing up that offensive line, which that's what you got to do in the Big Tens. The big uglies win in this league, and that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah she does if they want to run the ball too, I mean, you have you have Gavin Winsett who's who didn't run, um, you know, toward the end of the end of last season, but he ran a lot at the beginning of the season, you know, before he got hurt. Um, so I know, you know, what we've heard <laughs> is that Rutgers wants more of a uh, kind of like a spread and dual threat offense. Um, I mean, a dual threat quarterback, and you know, that's what Winsett kind of kind of you know, that's what he does. So, uh, but yeah, they're going to have to get much improvement on the offensive line. Um, I think now I think um, they actually have. I, I I looked up this morning. They have a special a university board of governors meeting uh, set for Saturday. tomorrow. Um, yeah. It's it's virtual, so technically anybody can kind of kind of hop in there. Um, so he's expected just to share the link on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah sure that would go well. Uh, to be then, so I mean, you know, one of those wackos is going to go get, and you know, Kirk next week, but. Yeah, you know one of those wackos are gonna go and complain about I'm paying this much fucking money for our culture. You kidding me? Like yeah. academics. Yeah. One, it's like one percent of the fucking budget, dude. Relax. Like, also, <laughs> given how much the new TV deal is, like that, yeah, like could you kidding me? Be independent from the university at this point. Yeah. Um, going back to what you said though, Craig. So this quote, this is the quote we got from a Johnny Shepard back on uh, November 29th. Yeah, that, that's what I was. He said, or he said, Coach Chiano's told me he interviewed four guys plus Nunzio Campanelli. Number one, so that tells me that those probably three of those probably, I'm not even going to speculate on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I know what you're saying. He, he said that whoever he hires is going to be a dual threat guy who is going to develop a system that fits his quarterback. A dual threat guy, right? 2022, let's look at Minnesota stats. Ethan, I can't pronounce his last name, <laughs> 34 rushes. Tanner Morgan, who also played nine games, 34 rushes, like 50 yards, 140 yards. Okay, it doesn't sound like a dual threat year to me. Let's keep going. 2019, um, Tanner Morgan, negative 57 rushing yards. Mind you, this is with sacks because sacks are weird in, in, in college, and for some reason they count them towards uh, rushing stats. So 61 rushes, negative 57 yards. We'll just assume probably 20-something of those were probably sacks, so we'll go with 40 rushes again. 2018, let's look again. Zach Anikstad, uh, seven rushes. That was your starter. Tanner Morgan, 40 rushes for 50 yards. Where's this dual threat thing I'm, I'm yeah, supposed to look at? at I'll, <laughs> I'll just say this. I will assume Shepard believed that at the time. I mean, you know, a lot yeah, more when, options. Yeah, when Shannon <laughs> was talking about his first or second guys, he was, he was talking to him for his OC. Hmm. 
I got to go all the way back to 2016 to find a, a, a quarterback that uh, ran the ball a little bit. And Zach Terrell ran it 80 times for 250. And even that's not like dual threat. Like I'm talking dual threat numbers means like I'm not passing for 3,500 yards. I'm probably going to pass for like 26, 2,700. I'm probably going to run for like 500 yards on the year, at least. I consider that dual threat, not running for 200 yards, or 100 yards, 50 yards, negative 60 yards. <laughs> and I think one other thing we have to kind of, you know, accept is that this is going to be at least a three-year deal for Soraka. So we're stuck with this type of offense, guys. This is what Rutgers is going to be. Like the 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 idea that they would turn to some kind of you know air raid style offense, it's just not going to happen. So we just have to accept that we're going to be this like you know run run pass team, and hopefully as we get better personnel, that'll work better. Because in fairness, it did work pretty well for Minnesota um, this year. Like they didn't have like a great season. I think they went like eight and four. But we saw it against Rutgers. Like, they were able to, to move the ball consistently with a good running back. I think that can be what Rutgers does with a Sam Brown and an improved offensive line. But there's just so much more we need to do personnel-wise to get to that point. It's it's still, you know, we're still in the midst of this rebuild, even though we're in year four of Shiano. Yeah. yeah, and also just say that, I mean, yeah, like you said, we're, we're stuck with that kind of offense, but, like, as long as Rutgers wins, nobody, nobody's going to care what style it is. Like, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be sexy air raid. As long as Rutgers wins, like, nobody's going to care. And the, honestly, like, the bar, to me, the bar, and I think for a lot of fans, the bar is just six wins. It's just get find a way to get six wins, get bowl eligibility, and just kind of find your way to just, even if it's, like, a quick lane or a, or a, or a pinstripe bowl, like, that's just, that's, oh. that is the, I know it's not sexy, Richie, but I mean, wait a second. You're saying a trip to the to Yankee stadium isn't, it wouldn't be on the top of your list. Hell no. The press box is like outdoors. It's fucking <laughs> miserable. You think I want to be there in December outdoors? December. Oh, can I, can God, I interest man. you in a Christmas in Detroit then for the quick lane bowl? Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> no, but I mean, to me, that's, that's the bar this year is you got to get the six wins. You got to get that bowl eligibility and. Then you can get. Then all the fans will kind of be off your back for a little while, uh, for like maybe five minutes. You know, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Um, the, that the other thing is is like, and I know some people criticize kick quite a bit on our message boards, but I want to bring up the stat he he said mm-hmm, five mm-hmm. years as offensive coordinator in the Big Ten, right? At Minnesota, Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Penn State, and Minnesota again. He's two and twenty three when this team has been down by a touchdown or more. That means, like, you and Rutgers, we know, never, never trailing. They'll never trail in a game. <laughs> if they're down a touchdown with Kirk Soraka, it's basically like you lost. And one of yep. those wins was against Nebraska this year, who was, we know for a fact, was cheeks. <laughs> like, just bad. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm I, just not I a was, fan I of was this. looking at some stats, you know, just now as well. You know, Kirk Soraka's offense have ran the ball. Uh, Ton. Obviously, he did it at Minnesota. Um, I look back, he also did it a lot at Western Michigan when they had uh, former Union Union running back, uh, Jamar Hogan. Hogan. Yeah. Um, so, like Shano said, that he wants to run a complimentary off a com- complimentary off. Yeah, his team that quote will never die. Yeah, <laughs> he wants to have a complimentary offense, complimentary team, whatever, whatever he said. But that's going to be good defense and run the ball to. So, I mean, that's that's kind of, I guess, why he hired Shiraka. And um, also, I was just going to mention it in the article I was going to write today. But um, he said he said it over the summer that I don't know if 
obviously any any of you guys other than Richie have been to you know a football practice under under Greg, but um, there's been a lot of times where they do segments where you know on the live speaker everybody you know they were they work on ball security and you know the whole thing goes you know the ball is the program, um, you know, ball is the program, ball is the program every all day. Um, obviously, Shannon was talked about not wanting to turn the ball over. And uh, that's actually he actually created Kirk Kirk's racket, you know, for that uh, the whole ball balls the program stuff. So that's something uh, that I remember from over the summer that Greg said about Kirk. So interesting. I just like looking back at it. Like, does Rutgers have a Muhammad Ibrahim? And do you have a running back that, that can run the ball three hundred and twenty times on his own? I think Sam Brown potentially could be that's, that, but he has to stay healthy. I know what you're already going to say. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of carries. Like, and if he's already getting injured now with this offensive line. Also, yeah, can we can we just ignore the fact that like, are we ignoring the fact that Minnesota has a decent offensive line? Right. Like, well, yeah, that, to me, that's like I said, that's going to be the key. Is you got to you got to build up that offensive line. I mean, it's not obviously not there now, but I'll give them. I got to got to give them some time to try and do it. Yeah, it's just uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't I don't know what to think of this hire. I think it's meh and. Looking at the bowl tie-ins, uh, I started doing some research. Let's try to get Nashville. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be sick. Oh, okay. Nashville. Yeah. What, Not what to bowl would that be? The music City Bowl. Perfect Music City Bowl because everything okay. has a sponsor now. Yeah. How about the Tony the Tiger Bowl? The Sun bowl? bowl. El Paso. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pass on that. Um, <laughs> there's like so, four cheese at bowls. Like. Yeah. There's, oh, there's – okay. Yeah, because yeah. There's an interesting sort of throwaway line at the end of Pete Thamel's article about Kirk Soraka joining Rutgers as well that I wanted to highlight. Uh, and I'll just read it verbatim. This marks the third staff defection from Minnesota in recent days, all of whom left for significant raises. Now, you tell me what you think a significant raise from 950K a year is. 1. To 4. me, significant is at least 20%. So 20% over that would be one2 I think that's what we're kind of looking at here, guys. I think Shiano paid about $1.2 million a year for Kirk Soraka for at least three years. So, And I also, I kind of hate to say it, but it's kind of just weird. And I guess, I don't know, the, the fact that Fleck is obviously a Shiano disciple. And you see a lot of guys now kind of going away, kind of going to the wherever it may be. And you're hearing like a lot of people feel like it's could be because of like Fleck and kind of the, uh, I guess, environment he kind of creates it might be kind of a tough, you hear a lot that he's kind of might be a tough guy to work for, which it's kind of, you're starting to hear the same kind of stuff <laughs> over here. So it's just like, you know, it's a kind of, kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It kind of just what, I guess that's what it is. You know, if you read Twitter, everyone's like the snake oil salesman's failing finally. <laughs> and it's like, like <laughs> They're, they're, they, I honestly, they probably are similar coaches. They probably, they have like similar MOs and everything. They just, I mean, he works for him. Like, of course he's going to yeah. take all the shit he did. He does the mm-hmm. family thing. He does the, the TBA. It's like trust, belief, accountability or whatever. Roll the boat. That, that too. That's, I don't know if that's his shtick technically or Minnesota bought that or like what the deal is there, but that's a weird one too. Yeah. I feel like it says. And there's Sky Uma and it's like, why, why bring roll the boat if I have one? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it's it's going to be a significant raise, and I, I don't like the idea of paying Soraka that much. Personally, I would have went with a young up and comer, but that's just me. Um, there's I don't know what else to be, what else there is to be said. They're probably going to. I guess he did that already, kind of with Sean Gleason. He gave him you know, over a mil last year. We kind of 
was up and comer. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, with 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 Soraka, I'm not you know wowed by it either. But um, I guess if it took if it took this long, um, I feel like you know they could have got someone you know better. I, I, I guess you know he was he was he was turned down a bunch, but um, obviously I, I I can I can see why a lot of people are are kind of down on it just because it took this long and and this is and this is the one that they came up with. So yeah. Yeah, it's all about it's all about results. At the end of the day, yeah. they win, everybody will be happy. If they lose, right. then we'll revisit this. Yep, exactly for sure. All right, is there anything we haven't touched on that we wanted to hit on before we sign off, you guys? Uh, no, not that I could think of. I mean, everything's kind of been covered. Uh, quarterback recruiting, I posted today in the war room. Uh, there's a couple 2024 names out there, but most of the guys that like Minnesota has offered under Soraka or most of the guys that Rutgers has offered, it's it's a short list right now. It's nothing special. They're probably going to have to go out and throw out a couple new offers. Um, I don't see them adding a transfer quarterback. I'm just going to say that plain outright. Uh, I think that's pretty well known. They they kind of trust Wimsett and Simon to be the two guys. We'll see if we'll see what happens there in that regard, but uh yeah, I mean the schedule sets up nicely. That's the good thing for Rutgers. So you have a, you have a shot at getting a bowl game, whether that be the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl or whatever the hell it's mm-hmm. called, or the mm-hmm. it's the Quick Lane Bowl, but it's not really. It's like the Goodyear Quick Lane something bowl. This that. So they have a shot at a bowl game this year. Technically, um, we'll just we'll have to wait and see what this offense looks like. Um, don't read too much in the spring ball. It's it's against each other. The whole point is to hype up the fan base. So we we've done this in the past where we saw Charles Norway go for like 200 yards and it's like, wow, he's going to run for a thousand this year. And it's like, man played two snaps. Yep. <laughs> so don't read too much into it. Yeah. Colton Agadosi was always a spring game standout. And then- NFL. NFL though. Mm-hmm. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. guys. Well, thanks again for joining us. This has been a hectic, what, 12 hours, 20, 18 hours um, between the basketball game, the OT hire, but thanks for joining us once again. Stay tuned to your podcast feed. Stay tuned to the board. Stay tuned to Twitter. If you haven't already, please give us a, if you like what you're hearing anyway, give us a five-star review on your favorite uh, podcasting platform. Also, uh, subscribe to the YouTube page. We're growing, like, pretty rapidly for uh, since my time here. Um, So that's exciting to see. But for me and everyone else, this has been another edition of the next podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.